So, Father, we love you, and we do thank you for the fact that you did create each one of us uniquely and wonderfully, and you knit us together, God, with an intricate blueprint blueprint of what you want our life to look like. And so, God, we thank you that there's not a single person in this room that's an accident or a mistake, that we were always part of your plan. And so as we dive into your word this morning, God, we pray that you will help each one of us to um, open our hearts to hear what it is that you want to say to us, God, because each one of us is in a different place, and you have something that you do want to say. And so we thank you for the fact that we have purpose. We thank you for the fact that one of those purposes is to worship you. This morning, as we look at fellowship, God, as the second purpose, we pray that you would help us to understand as believers how significant it is for us to to be in community with one another, that in community with one another, we really are in community with you as well, God. And so we pray that you would be with this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and as we said earlier, we're in a series called What on Earth Am I Here For? And, and I want to encourage you, if you have this little book, you can bring it along, follow along. Um, if you're in a small group, you've already found the use for this book. But if you're not in a small group yet, um, we're going to talk a little bit about small groups this morning. I want to say this. It's not too late. We're a couple weeks in. This is our third week in the series. But we have new groups forming, and we've got groups available that are open for people to join so if you're sitting there and you're going, oh man, I wish a couple weeks ago I would have got into a small group, that opportunity is still open. Um, and we also want to say that the small groups we're hoping will continue uh, through this series and past this series, not just end uh, with this series. Because as we're going to see here in a moment, God really has created each one of us to not be in isolation. He's created us for community. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Um, so I want to share a little story with you. I, I shared my testimony a few weeks ago about my childhood and where I grew up. And, and it's easy for me to share my testimony and get everybody crying and all, you know, oh, poor Jamie. But it's, it's not poor Jamie. Because the reality is, is that I had an incredible childhood. I had an incredible uh, set of godly men to look to in my life. And as hard as my circumstances were, and we always had lots of wants, but we never had needs growing up. If you weren't here two weeks ago, I had a really messed up childhood. There, that's the summary. All right? And so we're going to pick up because I had a group of uncles in my life. My mom had 12 siblings. Um, and so some of you know what that's like, but most of us don't. But there was 12 of them, and, they're, and they're, their last name is the Chevalier family, and they're an awesome family. And I remember as a little kid always feeling that, that whole not wanted and a mistake thing and feeling like I wasn't a part because as a, as a kid, I remember thinking, well, my last name's Kendrew, their last name's Chevalier, so I really must not be a part of that family. I remember one day I had a vulnerable moment with my Uncle Bud, and I said, Uncle Bud, I, you know, I'm just a Kendrew. I'm not, I'm not really one of you. And he looked at me and he said, boy, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> what do you mean? And he said... He said, of course you're one of us. You may have a different name, but you're family. We love you. And, and so what ends up happening throughout my life is my uncles taught me how to be a man. They taught me how to hunt. They taught me how to fish. They taught me how to be affectionate towards my wife. They taught me how to respect women, how to take care of my finances. And, and it was amazing because in a scenario where I'm set up to be abandoned to the cruelty of this world, a family surrounded me and my brother and my sister and my mother and we never needed a day in our life 
Isn't that what family's supposed to do for one another? We're supposed to be there when the moments are funny. We're supposed to be there when moments are good. We're supposed to be there when there's suffering and when there's brokenness and when there's hardships. I was very lucky and very blessed to have people who loved Jesus first and then also loved us be family. I want to say to you this morning, if you're sitting in this room, and welcome to the new members because, man, you guys are family. And we mean that. And, and, and we want to laugh with you. We want, to, we want to have good times with you. We want to worship the Lord with you. We want to suffer with you. We want to weep with you. And that's what family is. And so last week we learned about that first purpose that we have as Christians and as people. It's to worship God. But the second purpose that we have is the purpose of fellowship. I've often heard people say that all that church wants to do is hang out with one another. Well, they're doing something right. Because church is supposed to be a place where an outsider looks in and goes, what's going on in there? Those people are like on some kind of crazy Kool-Aid or something. What what is it? And then they start asking the question, well, how do I get to be a part of that? As the church, we're supposed to have a community of believers that, that is really in tune and in love with one another. And as believers, we're supposed to have families and little small groups that are the same way. So this morning, we're looking at our purpose for being in God's family, because each one of us is a part of God's family. As Pastor Jared read to us, uh, coming out of the book of Romans, um, this great scripture that, that basically tells us some pretty significant things about who we are. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open to Romans 8. And then after that, I want you to take out a pen and paper and write down all the scriptures, because there's like four bajillion scriptures that we're going to go through this morning. And what I would really encourage you to do is write these scriptures down, and then maybe after the service today, you and your spouse or your brother or whoever, your sister, you could just study these scriptures a little more in detail. And you've got time. The game doesn't start till 8.30, unless you're a Pirates fan, then you're too late anyway. So... There's plenty of time to study this, so I want to encourage you, take notes, write this stuff down, and go ahead and open to, open to Romans 8. This writing's coming as a letter, <clears throat> and what's happening is, is there are people who are still feeling like they're, they're being held by the, the sinful nature of their spirit. And so where our, picture, our scripture picks up is there's this therefore moment, and basically what is being said here is you don't have to live to your sinful nature anymore. You've put that to death. You're no longer a slave to that. And then we pick up with these words. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature, to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Did you know that you're part of the family of God? Did you know that? I want to make something very clear. There's there's a teaching today in our society that every single person in the world is a child of God. While we would all love to really think that, the reality of it is, is that's not true. That in fact, in order to be a child of God, there's something uh, very significant that must take place in your life in order to be a child of God. And you must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. John 1.12 says, if you receive Christ as your Lord, you are a child of God. And so some of us are sitting in here playing church today and we've never accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
And and I'm telling you this morning, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're missing the first step of being part of the family. Because in order to be a part of the family, you have to be born. And in order to be born, you have to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 that we are the sons and daughters of God. Think about that. That means we're all related. I say it all the time that we've got to learn how to get along here on earth because one day we're going to forever dwell in eternity with one another. And if we can't get it figured out here, man, that's a a heck of a forever to try to work it out. So we should try to work it out now and have fellowship and love one another because we are the children of God. And we have a purpose of fellowship. It goes on to say this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Do you just run around calling anybody daddy? Do you ever think about that? I I know for me, when I was engaged to my wife, there was this awkward moment where I was trying to figure out what to call my father-in-law. Is he Mr. Melton? Is he sir? Is he, you know, master of my life? Like, how do I go about this? And, and, I, and I love because I, I work with a lot of couples who are getting married, and, and there's always this conversation, and it surprises me how many young men actually don't call their father-in-law to be anything because they're afraid to call him something. That's just a little funny note. But, but what I love to hear is when there's that one guy who says, you know what, I love my father-in-law, and I'm going to call him dad. And I think that's beautiful because as people, we don't just run around calling anybody father, do we? And here in this scripture, we're being told that we can call God Abba, Father. That we can call God Daddy like little children. Daddy, fix my Legos. We can call the Almighty God Daddy. We're significant. We are children of God. He loves us. And not only are we children of God, that makes us in a relationship with Jesus something unique too, doesn't it? Because Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, the Bible tells us the Spirit himself, excuse me, uh, for uh, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, we call him Father. We don't just call anybody Father, we call only the Father, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Do you know what an heir is? It's, It's not referring to a rabbit there. It's referring to somebody who is entitled, I shouldn't say the word entitled, who is in line to inherit the kingdom. And when God calls us his children, he's making a significant statement to you, he's making a significant statement to me, and he's saying, you're my children, and you're in line to inherit the kingdom. Come home. That's good news this morning. It doesn't stop there. Then it says this, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you know what that tells us, church? There's a lot of false teachings out in the world today that will make these Christian claims and then they make statements that, well, you'll never actually get to dwell with God or you'll never actually get to be in fellowship with Jesus. But the Bible just told us something very different, that we're co-heirs with Christ. We're heirs to the kingdom. We're one day going to dwell with the Father. We're one day going to dwell with Jesus Christ. 
You will dwell in the house of the Lord. You're not going to watch from some different plane as God and Jesus do their thing. You're going to be there with them. Because we are co-heirs with Christ. And God created us to be in fellowship. And he's not going to separate himself or Jesus from that. God wants to be in fellowship with us. We're his children. And he's created us as beings of fellowship. And that's why today our, our second purpose is the purpose of fellowship. We are created to be a part of God's family. And, if, and I hope you get that. You're, you're family. And, and it breaks my heart because in our society we have people that will, will hop around to different things in their life, whether it be sports teams or even their own families. They abandon their families because they want to go get a different one. Or, or people even go to different churches because they had a, a disagreement with somebody. And instead of working it out, they simply jump ship and leave. Let me tell you this morning. If you're here because you had a fight with somebody at your last church, God wants you to go back to that church and resolve that issue. God wants to bring restoration to his communities. Because if I'm going to stand up here and tell you that I want to be family with you, then we've got to be honest with one another. We're going to fight sometimes. We're not always going to get along. Sometimes we're going to have disagreements. But a family doesn't bail out on one another when it gets tough. A family sticks together, and they work together, and they resolve their issues. So if you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you worship here. But please go resolve your issue first, and maybe God will work it out there for you. I hope you hear my heart and what I'm trying to say with that. Because we want to take family serious. It breaks my heart to see nuclear families, moms and dads, just bailing out and quitting on one another. Don't quit. It's not always going to be easy, and you're not always going to get along. But God desires us to be in community. He desires us to be in fellowship with one another. Work it out. Work it out. So our second purpose is fellowship. Well, why? God literally wants us to go around and just hang out with one another and, and, and sing songs and eat lunch together and watch football games together? Yeah, you're dang right he does. Because you know why? Because it tells us in John 13, 34 through 35, that the world will see the way that we as Christians love one another and they will judge God accordingly. They're going to look at the way that people in the church treat one another, the way that we handle conflict, the way that we come alongside of each other, and they're going to look at that as an ambassador to God. And so when we as a church function in fellowship and we're laughing and having a good time, people are seeing joy. My favorite service on a Sunday morning is the one that happens at 8 o'clock that none of you are at. That sounds really weird, I know. But one of my favorite times of worship is at 8 o'clock, I sit in that very back little row and I watch our praise and worship team practice. Because, see, what's happened is they've formed this little community amongst themselves and they genuinely love each other. You think it's funny watching Brad almost fall during a service. You should see what they do during practice. They're all over the place, raising their hands, and, and they're not here to perform for you. They're here genuinely worshiping God. And when I sit back and I watch this koinonia is the Greek word that we're going to talk about, this fellowship take place. It brings tears to my eyes, and I think that's what church is supposed to be, a group of people who don't always hit the same note, but at the end of the day, they're willing to get together and do something beautiful for God. Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want that kind of deep, rich fellowship? The Bible tells us that a small group is a great way to do that. In fact, for the first 300 years of the church, that's the only way it happened. 
church existed in people's homes. It was small groups of people that would get together. They would have this thing called the love feast. And and one person would bring some music. One person would bring some sacraments. And and another person would bring a song. And if the preacher was was boring and going too long, someone would interrupt and say, well, God's told me something. You be quiet. I'm going to teach now. And you know what happened? The preacher would be quiet and let the other guy teach. It was this small group, beautiful thing where everybody had a part to play. Because we are one body, aren't we? And each one of us serves a different function. But each one of us is significant. Do you know if you're not here in your small group or in this church, there's not a single person on the planet that can replace you in what you bring to worship God. In your families, when you are not at home with your children and your wife or your husband, when you're not in your family, you cannot be replaced. You are significant. You are on purpose. You are created for community. And God put things in you to help minister other people. God desires for us to be in koinonia, to be in fellowship like the early church. When you look at the early church, there's four major concepts that that Rick Warren's going to talk about with you and your small group that he'll flesh out more, but I'm going to point them out to you right now. There's four levels of fellowship that happen. And again, why is fellowship important? It's important because it's a testimony to the world about who God is to us. That's why fellowship is important. The first level is this. It's sharing. If we're created for community, we need to be in a community where we share with one another, where we share our time, where we share our money, where we share our experiences, where we share our thoughts. We need to be engaged. And that's why small groups are so good, because you've got a small group of people. Are you sharing your home? Are you opening your home to people? God blessed you for a reason. Don't let it sit idle. Have people over. Are you sharing? The second one that we're going to talk about is belonging. Are you a member of something? Are you serving in the church as a a member of the worship team? Are you serving as as anything in children's ministry? Are you in a small group? Or do you belong to a group that's outside of the church, but it's still this intimate group of friends? Hopefully you do. Are you serving as a group, as a church? The fourth one will be, are you suffering as a group? Because as the church in the very early stages of its existence would soon experience a great persecution, they knew that suffering was important. We're going to jump into sharing. Do you share your home? Do you share your wealth? Do you share your goodness, the things that God has blessed you with? Because if you're not, you need to. The Bible tells us that in 1 Peter 4, 9, that we are to open our homes to one another. Did you know that? If you're not having people over from church or other brothers and sisters in Christ, you're missing out on goodness that God has for you. God has something good to do for you, and you're missing out on it because he calls us to share. Are you sharing your experiences? There's a lot of you in this room that have a lot of life experience, and I was so blessed last time I preached uh, of, of, of these people that would come up, and they had a very similar life story as me, and it was just so comforting to know that there's people who really did understand what I was talking about. And, and, and now I've got relationships with these people. Even this morning when I was preaching it, one of the people was sitting in the in side and I, and, I, and I locked eyes with this person. And it was just this cool moment of sharing, of, of building a relationship. Do you share your support? The Bible tells us that we are to care for one another's burdens. Are you sharing your support? There's a lot of you in here that have very unique skill sets 
that you can help people with. You can do that for the glory of God. There's a lot of you in here that have got the gift of, gift of hospitality. You've got the, the, the gift of finance. You've got the gift of I don't know what it is, but are you sharing your support with one another? Because we are called to be supporting one another, to be sharing our lives, sharing our time, and sharing our experiences. In order for us to go deeper, we've got to move from being people who simply share to people who really do belong to one another. The second one is belonging, and it talks about that deep koinonia. Who, who is that group of people that you have, maybe with even in the church, that you're very close with? You know, that's a healthy thing to have. It's, it's healthy to have an inner circle of friends, a, a, a Bible study or a small group. Jesus had 12. There was a lot of people that came to hear Jesus preach, but he had a group of 12 that he specifically ministered to us, ministered to. Do you belong to a koinonia? Do you belong to a small group? The Bible says in Ephesians 2.19 that you're to belong to the household of God. I, I hate this teaching in society that says, well, I just need Jesus. I don't need the church. You do need the church. You know why you need the church? Because God said, I created you for community, for koinonia, to be in fellowship with one another. And I know if you talk badly about my wife, I, you're not going to get a good result. And when we talk bad about the bride of Christ, which is the church, we're offending God. We do need the church, not in the way that we need Jesus, but we need the church because we're commanded to be in fellowship. We're commanded to be in koinonia. We're commanded to be in the house of God, to worship him, to love him. If you ever want to know how a small group should work, I want to challenge you to look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 31. And it lays out perfectly a little small group setting. It talks about the importance of singing. It talks about the importance of having a feast together and praying together and having lessons taught. See, the Bible talks all about these little koinonia fellowships because this is how it started. The early church consisted of small groups of people who came together for the sake of the gospel. And they belonged together. They, they loved one another Romans 12.5 says that each one of us belongs to the greater body. We see it all through Scripture that each one of us has a place. And so you belong. Are you belonging? Are you giving in? Are you submitting? Or are you fighting it? And are you hiding it? Are you not plugging in? I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing more significant in your life than the relationships that you will make. As a pastor, one of the priv sad privileges I have is I get to be with people when they die. And nobody ever asks for another hour or two so they can do work. Nobody ever asks for another fantastic sermon, but they ask for the people that they're in relationship with. The relationships that you are building, that you belong to, are super, super significant. And you need to invest the time in those relationships because God has said, we belong to one another. We're created for community. Don't be an isolationist. Don't be a hermit. The third thing that we talk about when it comes to fellowship and being a good small group and growing together as this koinonia is the importance of serving together. You've heard me say it a bunch that when we serve people or when we serve the things of God's heart, when we're involved in what God's doing, we're closer to being what he wants us to do. And everybody says, I feel so alive. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we as a koinonia serve God together, we're going to see amazing thing happen. If your marriage is struggling, then you and your spouse need to go serve at a service project somewhere. Because you're going to see beauty 
and people being the hands and feet of God. If you want your small group to grow, grow closer together, then you need to get out and you need to serve, whether it's in a lakeside cafe, down a student or children's ministry, urban impact, whether it's feeding homeless people or going to Haiti or, or to your neighbor's house and cooking them a meal. As a koinonia, as a body of believers, we're called to be in service of one another. Do you know why the early church survived the great persecutions that they survived? There was this big fire, and, and I think it was Nero decided to blame all the Christians. The Christians set Rome on fire, and it obliterated the town. And the Christians could have taken their ball and said, well, you know what? He said something mean to me. He persecuted me. He called me a name. I'm going to go. I'm leaving. You guys, you can have your fire-ridden town. I'm out of here. But the Christians of the church did not do that. They took the insults. They stayed together as a group, and they served their enemies. They did a big service project. And from 60 A.D. to 300 plus A.D., the growth of the church explodes because of the generosity of the Christian people. Because a bunch of small group churches, home churches, got together. They didn't give up. They didn't go look for a new church. They struggled together through the pain of persecution, and then they served their enemies. And you and I are sitting in church today because of their faithfulness to that. Isn't that cool to look back at our history and to know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ? They knew that they belonged. They knew that they were to be in fellowship and they served together. The other part is we're called to suffer together. And this is something we either do very well or as a church we do very poorly. Because a lot of us are afraid to share our heartbrokenness with one another, especially in small groups, right? I know for me, one of the things that I was, I'm always afraid of, and I've even said this to my small group, that I'm afraid if I tell you what I'm about to tell you, you're going to use it as a weapon against me. And as believers in Christ, we can't have that attitude. We've got to be willing to share our burdens with one another. Galatians 6.2 says, Share each other's troubles. And if we're going to be in koinonia, if we're going to be in true fellowship, we need to share our burdens with one another. You need to open up. Well, he doesn't share with anybody. Rubbish. You need to open up to somebody, even if it's just one other person that you can trust because God called us to be in partnership. He called us to serve in teams. He called us for fellowship and koinonia. You need to be vulnerable with one another. Okay, we're going to flip the coin. If you're in a koinonia, if you're in a fellowship, and if you're in a body of believers and somebody is vulnerable with you, and you misuse that, shame on you. Because you're commanded by God to be a part of this fellowship. And when someone is vulnerable with you, you're to handle that like Jesus would handle it, with love, gentleness, respect, kindness, grace, and mercy. You should handle it like you would want someone to handle you. Don't gossip about it. Don't misuse that information. Because someone just trusted you and they're suffering. When we share our suffering with one another, it lightens the load, doesn't it? When we're serving together, it makes the work go better because there's more hands, there's more people involved. But when we suffer, it has that opposite effect because when we're carrying so much on our shoulders and we're suffering alone, it feels like we can't do it. But when we share that with people, it lightens the load. It helps us to be able to cope and to deal with that. In uh, 1 John 3.16, it says this. 
that we know uh, love by Christ's example. So in turn, love your brothers and sisters in the same way. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to each other. Church, we're to be in fellowship. My prayer for us today is that immediately following this service, every single one of you will find somebody in the church and ask them out to lunch. It was kind of cool because at the 9 o'clock service, people were really doing it. People were inviting each other to lunch just to simply fellowship and talk about what God's doing in their lives. So I challenge you, church, take someone out to lunch today. Invite somebody in your home. Be vulnerable with them. Because we are created on purpose to be members of God's body, to be part of the family, and fellowship is one of our greatest purposes. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to belong, to know that there is a place for us. Help us, God, to trust other believers. Help us to be in fellowship with one another. Help us to not simply hide and study our scriptures, God. Because you do want us to study the scriptures, but you don't want us to study the scriptures so that we can bottle that up in our head. You want us to go out and be your hands and feet. And so, God, I pray that you would help us as a church to to learn how to love in such a way that we can suffer together, that we can serve together, that we can be devoted to one another by belonging, and that, God, we, we could just really be a koinonia fellowship. We pray that with all the small groups that are happening and beginning to happen, Lord, that you will allow people on the, in the neighborhoods of these homes where folks are meeting, look at that and say, well, what, what's going on over at the Ott's house? Are they having a party? What are they doing? And we pray, God, that the people of Pittsburgh will look at Christ Church and say, oh, those people, they love God. They follow Jesus. And I want to be a part of that. So God, give us strength and courage. In your name we pray. Amen.